you for joining us for another informative, educational, and entertaining edition of Music and Medicine with Dr. Charles Modlin, kidney transplant surgeon, board-certified urologist, public speaker, and well-known community national leader for the elimination of health disparities, dedicated to informing you, the listening audience, about important health topics and health information that you, your family, and your community need to know while at the same time providing you with quality entertainment because music and entertainment is medicine. Dr. Marlin's co-hosts are Jerome Brown and registered nurse Jonathan Branch. And the program often includes special content expert guests. So, without further ado, here is the host of the show, Dr. Charles Marlin. Hello, everybody, and happy 2023, and happy February 2023 Black History Month. Uh, we have a very special guest uh, and, and program for you this evening. We're going to be um, speaking a little bit later in the program with Dana Langford. She's a certified nurse midwife, and she's also the CEO of a not-for-profit organization called the Village of Healing. Um, and she's going to talk about what her organization does to help uh, promote uh, maternal and, and fetal wellness, uh, which is going to be the topic of, of the discussion this evening. Um, I wanted to also acknowledge um, Mr. William Reed for that great uh, introduction. Uh, we're going to get him onto the show uh, at some point also, so you can all meet uh, him. Uh, that He's got a great voice, and so I really appreciate it. I'm actually uh, honoring uh, for Black History Month my daughter Hannah, as well as my other kids. Uh, she's a junior at Cleveland State's um, Washku, I can't even pronounce it, Washkowitz College of Engineering. She's a chemical engineering student. So um, Hannah, um, I, I honor you and, and thank you for your hard work and dedication. Um, I'd like to go ahead and, and bring on my co-host, Mr. Jerome Brown, uh, for this Black History Month um, special episode. Um, of music and medicine. Uh, so, Jerome, are you around? Uh, uh oh, there we go, man. Hey, first episode is and it is yep. in Black History Month, man. So, I it don't get no better than that, Doc. I swear. It, it doesn't. You know, um, Jerome. People ask me all the time, "What, what does Black History Month mean to me?" Um, so, I'm going to ask you, not to put you on the spot. I mean, it means well, a lot of different things. What put me on the spot, you know what I mean? Okay. Well, <laughs> so, thanks yeah, a mean, lot. Yeah. I just yeah. walked in the door. You're going to hit me up with a question already, you know? Yeah, you know exactly. Black History exactly. Month, to me, means pride, means responsibility, means accountability, means strength, means determination, means focus means freedom, means wisdom. And I say all these words because those are some of the things that we, our forefathers or people had to really focus in and get right in order for me and you, Doc, and the world to enjoy music and medicine and different platforms like this. Nothing would be the same if those people didn't have the determination and willpower to stand up to keep driving 
to get beat down, spit on, and just, you know, inhumane circumstances. And generation by generation, somebody else carried the torch, pushed the rock a little further, and it gets us to this point in 2023, Black History Month, music and medicine. It don't get no better yeah, than that. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree 100%. That That's outstanding. Um, you know, pride, respect, strength, um, you know, intestinal fortitude, grit. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would add, um, you, you said responsibility also. Um, I, you know, I, I, would, I would add um, expectations to, to that list. Yes. Um, and, and I say that because it, it's our, our forefathers and, and mothers and, and sisters and brothers actually expected us to um, strengthen the success of, you know, the younger generation, the way that in which they provided opportunities and, and, and strengthen um, us. Um, so again, it's our responsibility to take it to the next level. Um, and, and if we don't live up to that responsibility, we're letting down our, 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 our predecessors, our ancestors. Again, it's our who, civic duty. It's our civic duty to do yeah. so. It's our civic you know. duty. I mean, like, like you said, I mean, we're, we're going through a number of challenges today, but I mean, fr from my perspective, I mean, to, to realize what they went through, um, you know, not, not just, um, you know, the, the slaves, but even after, you know, slavery ended, um, the yeah. segregation, Jim Crow, um, you know, racism still exists today, but, but again, it, it our responsibility to give back to the younger generation. I, I would also add sacrifice. I mean, they, they sacrificed, um, so that we would have more opportunities than they, they ever had, or, or could even imagine, um, of having, um, and, and again, there are a number of, uh, young heroes. We recognize Dr. Rosa Parks and everybody, but there are a lot of unsung heroes, um, you know, who provided uh, opportunities for all of us. So, um, it's about being thankful and recognizing those who came before us and, and recognizing it's our responsibility, uh, to continue to, to move our people forward and all people. Indeed. And, and to piggyback yeah. on what you were saying, there were more unsung heroes that we will never hear of than the ones we have heard of. Right. There were right. probably, uh, you know, how many Rosa Parks or how many Martins that had this, they were just hushed and killed before they were even able to even make it that far. Those that inspired Martin yeah. and Rosa to stand up her auntie and uncle and, you know, the people of strength. So it's a very, very deep yeah. situation. So, th so this is my this is my main man, my my father. Um, some some people like I have this picture hanging in my office at the hospital, and some people they see that in the background, they think it's me. You know, no, it's not me. It's my father, yeah. um, Charles Modlin Senior. He, he's wearing four uh, National Senior Games medals in track and field that he won. He's actually set the record for four track and field records for men over eighty um, back wow. in I believe it was two thousand and six or 2008 in Pittsburgh. I have to go back and re remember the exact year. Uh, my mother, Grace Modlin, also is one of my heroes. Um, you know, this is a picture of her, her high school graduation. Um, 
you know, very beautiful um, young woman in this picture. And my, my grandmother, uh, Clara Hampton, she was born in 1888. She lived to be 103 years old, Clara Archie Hampton. So, wow. um, you know, when I think of Black History Month, I, you know, th these are some of the people that, that come to mind on a daily basis. I, I recently uh, came across this picture. I don't know how well it shows, but this is my mother pictured at her Greenfield, Indiana, uh, uh, that she was a senior Greenfield High School in, in Greenfield, uh, Indiana, uh, the only black student, um, you know, in the uh, class. She, she's right there. What um, year was that? 1940. Yeah, 1940. My, my mother and father weren't born at that time. That is, let's just get that in okay. perspective. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, both my parents were born in 1924, so. You know, my, my mother actually was the first, became the first um, black school teacher in the history of Henry County, Indiana. Wow. So, you know, they both my parents made a lot of sacrifices. But yeah, we're, we're shortly going to be um, joined by, as I indicated, Dana, Dana Langford, a certified nurse midwife. And um, Jerome, I wanted to kind of highlight um, some important information um, pertaining to an article of uh, from the Robert Johnson, no, actually, no, it's the Kaiser Family Foundation, excuse me, the Kaiser Family Foundation. It's an article entitled Racial Disparities in Maternal and Infant Care, Current Status and Efforts to Address Them. Um, this is from November the 1st, 2022. Um, okay. People can find it on uh, Kaiser Family Foundation, but I wanted to highlight uh, some information that really um, emphasizes, you know, the, the important work that Dana Langford and her organization do to improve the health of, of mothers and, and, and babies. So it starts out by giving a summary. It says stark, stark racial disparities in maternal and infant in the United States have persisted for decades despite continued advances in medical care. Um, and I'm just going to it's a rather, rather lengthy article, 17 pages. I'm not going to read the whole article, no, we, we, but it highlights. We, we don't need 17 pages worth, man, you know. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm just going to highlight some very important points that, you know, we, we want the listening audience to be aware of. Okay. Black and American Indians and Alaska Native women have higher rates of pregnancy-related deaths compared to white women. Oh. Maternal and infant health disparities are symptoms of, of a broader underlying social and economic uh, inequities that are rooted in racism and discrimination. Um, you know, they have higher shares of preterm birth, low birth weight. Um, many of their, their births um, are related to situations where they received late or no prenatal care compared to white women. Um, and again, the women themselves have uh, women of color have a markedly um, higher rate of mortality than uh, those um, uh, than white women. Um, maternal deaths rates increased during the COVID-19 pandemic and the racial disparities widened for black women. That's crazy. So, you know, further in the article, they said the increased awareness and attention to maternal and infant uh, health have contributed to the rise in efforts and resources focused on improving 
health outcomes in these areas and reducing uh, disparities. So I, um, again, it, it's a lengthy article. There's a lot of statistics and, and graphs and tables in the article, uh, but it says reflecting these increased risk factors uh, seen in women of color for higher rates of maternal and fetal mortality and infant mortality. Infants born to women of color are at higher, higher risk uh, for mortality compared to those born uh, to white women. Uh, what are some of the factors um, driving these disparities in maternal and infant um, uh, health? Um, the factors uh, driving these disparities are complex and multifactorial. They include differences in health insurance coverage and access to care. Again, however, they, they state that they're, they're, they're broader factors, uh, social and economic factors, and structural and systemic racism and its discrimination also play uh, major roles. Um, so going on further, um, disparities in maternal and infant health in part reflect increased barriers to care for people of color. Um, it shows that coverage before, during, and after pregnancy facilitates access to care that supports healthy pregnancies as well as positive maternal and infant outcomes. So health insurance obviously will help improve outcomes. Overall, people of color are more likely to be uninsured and face other barriers to care. Oh, um, let me, yeah, let me just uh, highlight just another couple of um, important points. Um, they talk about, um, you know, racism and, 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 and mistreatment. Uh, it says research highlights the role of racism and discrimination in playing a role in driving racial disparities in maternal and infant health. Um, so it says um, indigenous, Hispanic and black women report significantly higher rates of mistreatment, such as shouting and scolding, ignoring or refusing requests for help during the course of a pregnancy, even when controlling for insurance status, income, age, and severity of condition, women of color are less likely to receive routine medical procedures and experience lower quality of care, uh, you know, with respect to hospital births. Um, and again, this summarizes a number of other studies uh, that are published in, in the medical literature. Um, it says uh, black mothers report unfair treatment. Black adults uh, also were more likely than white adults to report a feeling that the prov provider didn't believe that they were telling the truth and being refused to test treatment or pain medication they thought they needed. So, um, uh. you know, in summary, it talks about there are current e efforts to address maternal and infant uh, mortality. Um, this talks about how, and then, you know, uh, Dana Langford is going to talk about the role of doulas. And, and um, so doulas are uh, non-clinical um, assistants or, or helpers who are alongside um, the, the uh, pregnant, um, you know, female before she goes into uh, delivery, into labor, uh, during uh, labor. Uh, into the birth, um, you know, emotionally, psychologically, and then the doulas are, are um, uh, you know, from the that uh, um, with the Dana is going to be able 
to uh, talk about that also. Um, the percentage of maternal um, health physicians and registered nurses that are black and Hispanic is lower than the share of female population um, of, of you know childbearing uh, age of, in people of color, women of color. Um, doula person before, during, and after childbirth, um, labor coaching, emotional support, postpartum care. Pregnant women who received doula support have been found to have a shorter and lower C-section rate. Um, uh, fewer birth complications are, and are more likely to initiate breastfeeding and their infants are less likely to have low birth weights. And, and so um, I actually just became aware of what doulas are and, and the service that they provide. You know, I'm, I'm a urologist, a kidney transplant surgeon. Um, and, and, you know, since I, you know, have, have trained, uh, um, the doulas uh, actually have come into service of, of these, uh, you know, pregnant individuals. And, and, then, and then also let, let's, let's be clear that men uh, bear a, a responsibility uh, in terms of helping um, take care of um, that expectant mother um, and hopefully, you know, would be there during the, the uh, you know, the delivery and, and, and be present uh, to help take care of that mother and then that child, that infant, uh, you know, after birth. And, and so, you know, we've, we've spoken about men's health. Um, we, we've talked about um, certain aspects of women's health, but this is the first time we've actually addressed maternal and infant and fetal mortality. And, and it's a very important subject. I mean, we, we, we have to, you know, step up and, and help protect our women and children. Um, hey, so, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, we just wanted to get I'm gonna into be that. And, and, yes. I'm going to be honest with you. That list of things you just read off hmm. reminded me of Eddie Murphy in the life movie. When everybody okay. letters coming in with something bad, the dog died, the auntie died. The, it was just all bad news, man. You, so all the information was horrible. Those are horrible statistics. Yeah. And that's yeah, where that's what people of color are facing. Look, how can you make it to 70 years old if you can't even make it to one years old? Yeah, exactly. And that's the definition of infant mortality death within the first year. But uh, these statistics show that actually most of the infants who, who die actually die within the first month. And again, it's related to low birth weight, um, you know, and, and, you know, lack of access. We talked about the social determinants of health. Um, we, we desperately do need more um, health care providers of color, um, OB, you know, obstetrics, um, gynecology, uh, physicians, advanced practice providers, uh, certified nurse, midwives, doulas, um, because we know they make a difference. And, and um, many uh, black and brown females um, feel more comfortable, you know, having um, a healthcare provider that, you know, resembles them and understands them. Um, so again, it's our responsibility to help uh, the younger generation and encourage them to, you know, enter the healthcare professions. Um, but, you know, with that said, um, oh, wow, wow. we're going to be joined by, by Dana Langford uh, soon, but um, in the meantime, I know we have, um, we, we wanted, you know, this being Black History Month, we wanted to feature um, some of our, our favorite uh, artists. 
Oh, yeah. And, you know, we both are uh, aficionados of all different genres of music. And I like yeah. classical mm -hmm. and, and rock and pop. And my, my favorite, I've talked about it before, is the 70s music. But uh, as an old trumpet player myself, I have to say that one of my favorite artists who I used to see, uh, whom I used to see in, in um, New York City um, back in the 80s and 90s is Miles Davis. Um, and so we're going to play a, a short clip uh, of Miles Davis uh, live in concert. This uh, song is called The Senate. Um, right. And I know you're going to have, uh, you're going to feature one of your favorite artists also. You know, oh, absolutely, man. So, Russell, yes.
was um, Miles Davis. Uh, that song, the name of that song was The Senate. It actually was recorded in 1988 live in Warsaw. So have you, have you ever seen that, uh, Jerome? Bananas. Never seen that in my life, man. Yeah. But I'll tell you one thing. He was making that guitar sing, wasn't he? <laughs> Yeah, he invented the lead. He invented the lead bass. Yeah, um, yeah. Because yeah, normally it, it's a lead guitar, but that that's actually a bass a bass guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was stroking that boy. Yeah. So his name is Foley. So what 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 do you have to show us uh, from for Black History Month? Your favorite. Well, artist? you know, you can never go wrong with this king here. You know what I mean? This king has so much drive that. He wasn't even blessed with me, what me and you are blessed with, which is sight. He did, did everything off a of field. Ray Charles? Oh, no, 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 no. That's a good shot, though. <laughs> one, I'll give you one more shot at this. Run, Ronnie Millsap. Run, Ronnie Millsap. Man, I knew it. Look, listen, we're going to, uh, Doc, that's it. No more guests for you. Three strikes, y'all. Everybody knows what it is. You got to do the bottom. You got to do the right. <laughs> yeah. I love that album. Music like that is good for the song. You know, it didn't make much They don't make music like this anymore. Nah, man, it's hard to come by.
You see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You see what I mean, man? Just unity all over the place, all over the board, man. And the reason I picked that song was because a lot of people didn't know that he made that back when they were trying to get Martin Luther King Jr. Day birthday a holiday. Hmm. They thought it was just a birthday song. Everybody now just thinks it's a birthday song. It was a significance to that song. It was a lot of power. And, um, you know, Stevie had a lot to do with that day becoming the holiday for our people man it was great great song yeah that's black history and and not a lot of people know and, and again i i'm aware of this because i'm a kidney transplant surgeon he developed um, kidney disease kidney failure requiring dialysis and um he received a kidney transplant i for, a couple of years ago i forget exactly when god bless but, uh, yeah but but uh, yeah god god bless him and and He's really changed a lot of lives. I mean, he's had a great impact. His, his life has has enriched the lives of, I mean, millions and millions all over the world. Millions. So is millions. Uh, is Dana is Dana Langford with us? Is she able to come onto the platform? Uh, Dana, yeah, there she is. Yes. The star of the show. <laughs> Not hardly. I heard Dr. Miles say he wanted to be as cool as Miles Davis. Yes. I say he is the Miles Davis in healthcare for us, as far as we concerned uh, around uh, here. Oh, that's so kind of you. I really appreciate that. It's uh, yes. It's it's you know what what I do is the successes I've had is again because of my parents and others who provided me opportunities, and it's the people I work with who have stepped up um, to you know, who are willing and, and knowledgeable in terms of uh, addressing a lot of the health inequities that we face. And that includes you, you know, Dana and, and your organization. And um, and before you came on, I, I, I you know, kind of briefed the uh, audience about um, uh, an article that I came across from the Kaiser Family Foundation, Racial Disparities in Maternal and Infant Health, um, uh, published November the 1st, 2022, talks about the current status 
and efforts to address them in this article you know, it highlighted a lot of the root causes for higher rates of maternal and infant mortality, especially in women of color. And um, it, it talked about the doulas also. And, and again, I, I acknowledge my ignorance because I wasn't really aware of the impact that the doulas had. And, um, you know, research. And, and again, as you explained to me, I, I recently toured your facility, uh, a Village of Healing. Um, doulas actually make a difference. The certified, uh, certified uh, nurse midwives make a difference. Um, so how about telling the listening audience a little bit about who you are, what your organization is, the services it provides, where it's located, how people can reach reach your organization? So I'm Dana Langford. I have the privilege to serve as a certified nurse midwife to our community, um, but I'm also the CEO and medical director of Village of Healing and the Village of Healing Center. Um, Village of Healing started as a community development organization with a different approach to healing. And in that approach, we simply noted that we have everything we need inside of our own community as one of uh, my board members likes to remind us. A lot of times I think as black people, we like to look outside of our community um, and we look for the savior complex. So we're looking at other communities to help us and to save us. And we have everything we need inside of our community to make sure that we're not only surviving, but thriving. And so that's the goal and focus of Village of Healing through community program. And, and a year ago, so we'll be celebrating our year anniversary on February 14th, our healthcare center. And our healthcare center looked at the data, um, which is what we were constantly being told. What does the data say as far as action steps? And Myself and, my, and the co-founder and my business partner, Tanisha Gaines, were constantly in meetings hearing about infant and maternal mortality and being told that Cleveland, Ohio is the worst city to have a baby if you're Black. And we were constantly being told about the deaths of our babies and the deaths of our sisters and aunts and cousins. Um, and so we decided that we were exhausted with just having the conversation and there needed to be an action step. And so we follow the data, which is what everybody tells us to do. Follow the data, which says that if your provider looks like you, your outcomes are better, your disparities decrease, your patient satisfaction is better, your informed consent is there. Um, and so we opened the Village of Healing Center with the prime goal of having Black providers focused on Black patients. Um, and so our center right now is women's health and obstetric health, so pregnancy, postpartum, um, your pap smears, annual exams, painful periods, heavy periods. We know Black women, about 80% of us will suffer from fibroids. And so that's where we step in to have those conversations and treat those patients. But then we also added the mental health component um, because what we know as well is, as you read off those disparities and those statistics earlier, I had the chance to hear, um, that's a mental health approach to it as well. That's a PTSD approach. Um, and so what we know is that be those disparities exist because of racism and because of the toxic stress that black women are forced to endure daily, which causes weathering in our body. It causes our systems to age much faster and all of that. And so we needed to add in a mental health component um, as well, because we're constantly being forced to hear those statistics. But not only that, you turn on the TV, just think about it, the Tyree Nichols case. We're constantly forced to look at that daily, hear that daily, all of the other Black deaths and bodies that we see on TV. Um, and so that's all playing a part in our lives daily and in our pregnancies. And so 
we chose to add a mental health component as well. So we've added a mental health provider to the center as well. So those that's just what we do. Um, at the center, it's located in Euclid, Ohio. Um, best way to describe it is on Lakeshore in the same plaza as Kim's Wings. Everybody know where Kim's is. So we used to say Aldi's. People don't care nothing about Aldi's. They like, oh, you mean with Kim's? Where the sauce at? So we are in the same plaza with Kim's Wings. Um, and the information is scrolling at the bottom, but you can reach us at 216 815 4325. I mean, it's easy. 216-815-HEAL or on our website, villageofhealingcle.com. I'll tell you what, I mean, I, I you know, Jerome, I, I had an opportunity, you know, a couple of weeks ago to, to tour the Village of Healing. And when you go into that plaza, it looks like, yeah, the little, little you know, um, storefront. Mm-hmm. You go in, in there, it's a massive office. They have um, um, conference rooms. Um, where they have group shared appointments. They have big screen TVs where they can receive education. Uh, They have uh, exam rooms. Um, I mean, they have physicians and advanced practice providers seeing patients in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wow. It's remarkable. I mean, I I was, you you didn't mention um, CEO Langford, the artistic work in there from, from local Cleveland authors, uh, Mm -hmm. artists. Um, so, so, yeah, we have a wall full of black art, um, all donated by black artists from Cleveland. What we wanted to do also was bring back art and culture. Yes. We know that, you know, as a community, that's somewhere that we thrive. We are artistic, creative yes. people. And so we wanted to bring that back as well. And then in addition to that, each room is named after a black person in healthcare that you typically don't hear about. Look at y'all. So, yeah, so we Look have to... One of the rooms named after the first black woman to receive her MD degree, first yeah. black woman to get a doctorate in psychiatry. Our exam rooms are named after the three black women that were tortured in the name of gynecology during slavery. Yeah. Hey. Um, and so we wanted to acknowledge those women as being as being the mothers of gynecology. Um, the white physician that tortured those women gets all the credit, but those women's bodies were sacrificed. So that we could have and what we have today, and they were completely ignored. So we wanted to acknowledge them. So it's four thousand square feet of of color, of culture. Um, when you walk in the door, we're very systematic that you make sure you see yourself and you know it is a safe space for you. Now check out, Dan. I have a um, question for you. Mm-hmm. Your average person never heard of the facility before. What? do you provide the woman? What, what is she coming to you for? She had never, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we do prenatal care. Um, so when you're pregnant, you come see us for all your prenatal care. Um, and then we also are affiliated and in partnership with Birthing Beautiful Communities, which is the doulas that Dr. Motlin mentioned earlier. So when you come in for your prenatal care, we automatically refer you to Birthing Beautiful Communities where you get a doula that also looks like you and is able okay. to help advocate for you. What we know is that we, we don't do the deliveries at our center. Um, we send you to whatever hospital you want to go to for the actual delivery. Yeah, but since course. we can't be there and we know the numbers are dismal of Black providers that will be there, yeah. what we want to do is for make sure you're provided with an advocate to walk in that door with you. And then as a patient and as your doula advocate, they always have access to our providers. So if something happens in that room and we've developed a wonderful relationship with Metro, Cleveland Clinic, we're able to talk to someone to advocate on your behalf as well. 
And if we need to, we coming up there. But we want to make sure that you're safe in that delivery. Um, we also do our your postpartum care. So you come right back to that safe environment. And then we do our women's health. Like we said, the annual exams, your pap smears, your birth control. Um, black women, like I said, 80% are suffering from fibroids and heavy bleeding. And as black women, we think it's normal um, and it's not. And so we are able to evaluate you, have those conversations with you. We hear you when you say you're in pain for your cycle or your menstrual cycle. And so we're able to evaluate that. If it's beyond our scope, again, we have doctors that we work with, um, with Cleveland Clinic and with Metro yeah. um, that we send you to, that we've actually worked with, we trust, and we know are providing awesome care. So Jerome, you know, um, men are encouraged also to attend um, and, and go to the Village of Healing to receive a lot of this um, education that that their 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 women are, are receiving. Also, it's very important for men to be aware of and knowledgeable about these issues. I wanted to read again very quickly some statistics. Statistics. I didn't actually highlight these numbers before. Black um, and American Indian, Alaska Native women have pregnancy-related mortality rates that are about three uh, times higher for Black women and two times higher for um, AIAN women, uh, respectively, compared to the rate for white women. And and, and get this, so it, the, these disparities increase by maternal age. Uh, for black women between ages of 30 to 34, the gap widens to over four times higher than, than white women. Um, and let's see, it, it says these disparities in, in, in pregnancy-related mortality persist across education levels. A lot of times people are misled to believe that it's just um, individuals who are not educated or who are impoverished. It says, notably, the pregnancy-related mortality for black women who completed college education or higher is 5.2 times higher than the rate for white women with the same educational attainment and 1.6 times higher than the rate for white women with less than a high school diploma. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that, and a lot of times in these meetings, we were being told that this was a poor black woman problem and a poor black baby problem. Right. There so. was no access to care. You weren't getting your prenatal care. Yeah. Um, it had to, to do with insurance. But like you said, the statistics shows that the older you get and the more education you have, your maternal mortality rate actually increases to about five to six times the rate of white women. So we knew this wasn't a poor black woman problem, but it was mm -hmm. easy to victim blame in these meetings, right? Of course. It's easy to say because you didn't get the education or because you are are, are lower socioeconomic status, um, you're not getting your, your um, appointments, you're not getting your prenatal care. And first year Cleveland did a study to actually show that the babies that had died, it was 50% of those mothers had public insurance, but the other 50% had private insurance. So it was equal. So we knew this wasn't a poor black woman or a poor black baby problem. This was a black woman and baby problem. Yep. And so I think that's the conversation and the narrative that has to change. And we have to recognize that. And we knew when the studies came out as professional black women, we were at the core of that racism, right? We're forced to go into these predominantly white institutions and environments 
to work every day and experience the toxic stress of just walking into a boardroom and you being the only and having to think about your everything you say, everything you do, what you, you wear. You sneeze wrong. You're out of there. Yeah. 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 And so um, we knew as professional black women that this is what we were facing. And so it increased the rates um, of our infant and maternal mortality. So Jerome, she knows her stuff. Man, this is incredible, man. Look, I'm learning that this is a lot of stuff to, to bring in. You know, yeah, uh, and I heard you give to Dr. Motlin some examples about the Kaiser study, and I read some of it where it talked about health insurance and all those um my rate of all those different reasons, but all of those reasons still point back to racism, right? The health insurance that points back to the generational wealth, right? We know that I just watched Ooh. the 1619 Project. We know that 70% of low income wages workers are black. Um, and so that's that generational wealth problem, which is a result of racism. So mm. all of this stuff still points back to racism. And that's the conversation that we need to have. Racism so, and reparations. Exactly. So so tell us, you know, those those in the listening audience and and you know how how can the community how can the the corporate world how can you know government elected officials help support and 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 sponsor the village of healing so i think the biggest thing is that recognizing that black organizations are the answer right we have a similar lived experience as the community again the data says when you walk into a room and your provider looks like you um, when you walk as a black woman that's pregnant into a room and that provider is black that infant mortality rate automatically drops by one third um and so what we have to do is do a couple of different things but support the black organizations that are on the ground doing the work and yes. like you said that's village of healing with black midwives and black healthcare practitioners but also doulas and that's what you're birthing beautiful communities that we see. Um, we know that the doulas are making the difference. And Black Midwives, an uh, article just came out, are making the difference. But we see that all the way back to slavery when midwives came over um, and were stolen from their land and transplanted here in the United States. How we delivered more than 50% of the babies in the South and the infant mortality rate was low. Once white obstetrics got introduced, that's when the infant mortality rate started to raise. But what there was was a systematic eradication of that black midwife. So what they did was they started a campaign, those black OBGYNs and black public health nurses to say black midwives were dirty. They were incompetent. They didn't know what they were doing and they were uneducated. And so people threw up their hands like, well, wait, maybe I do need to go into a hospital and have a white OBGYN. And that's when we started seeing those numbers rise. And from that, right now, black midwives only account for about five to eight percent of the black midwives or excuse me, of the midwives completely in this country. Ten percent of nurses in this country are black. Three to five percent of the physicians that we see in this country are black. Mm. Um, and so what we need to do, number one, is make sure that we're supporting the black organizations and Black providers that are trying to make a difference in opening places like Village of Healing and birth centers like BBC is doing. Um, we see Birth Detroit doing it in Detroit. Um, there's another one in Memphis, Life Choices. Those are the organizations that we need to support. 
But we also need to ensure that we're creating pipelines for Black students into healthcare fields. And we're supporting Black students into those healthcare fields. I didn't have a mentor my entire time, and I fought to get through undergrad and graduate school. And I was able to do that because, like you said, I was privileged enough to have a family that supported me. Um, I got a lot of student loans, um, but I was able to do that. Not everybody has that privilege. And so what we need to do is make sure we're entering into the middle schools, having the conversation that there's more than just medical assistance. There's more than just STNAs, but the sky is the limit and making sure that we're supporting them with mentorship, advocacy, and getting them involved in seeing Black providers and Black healthcare workers and knowing that this is attainable and making sure the money is there to help us get through. Wow. So I, I have a question for you. Um, me and Doc both answered this question a little bit earlier. Uh, what does Black History Month mean to you? Oh, Black History Month to me is my ancestors. Um, it is a celebration. I, I jokingly told my mother at brunch on Sunday and the table next to us was all black. I'm black every day, but in February, I'm blackity black. <laughs> um, and so in February, and I try to do this every day and Village of Healing does it, I can say it through the center every day, but it's an acknowledgement of our ancestors. It's an acknowledgement yes. of the blood that was shed, the tears that were cried, the work that was done for uh -huh. me to be able to even serve as a certified nurse midwife, for me to be able to walk out and say, I've started Village of Healing. Um, my goal every day is number one, to make my ancestors proud. And then number two, to make sure that I'm a good ancestor for those to follow. And so Black History Month is a time that we just choose to educate and the country has selected these 28 days to educate the country about what we really bring to society. Um, and it's why 1619 is one of my favorites, because it says black people are democracy. Black people are United States of America. We built it and we continue to, to do great things for this country. You're right, girl. You're right. You know, it's, <laughs> it's really because I talk to people as they are. And you, you're just a strong woman, you know, doing what you do, determined to make a difference. And I recognize that, you know, so we all need to be commended when you know because you're going to hear it from other people here and there uh, but i'm just telling you as a human and regular old person when you go home at night take that deep breath you can be proud of what you've done thank and you. you can be proud of what you're doing uh you will be long gone but your works will continue on so thank you so much that means a lot thank you that, absolutely you know, so you you do have aspirations in, of opening um, additional locations. Uh, you know, I'm aware of that. Um, so can you briefly, you know, tell the audience? I mean, what what is the training of a certified nurse midwife? How long does it take? How, how do you how does one become a certified nurse midwife? So there's a couple different ways to do it, but a certified nurse midwife is essentially a master's educated registered nurse. So you have to become a registered nurse first as a certified nurse midwife, but there are three types of midwives. There's a certified midwife, a, certif a certified professional midwife, and a certified nurse midwife. In the state of Ohio, only a certified nurse midwife can practice right now in hospitals. Hmm. A CPM or certified professional midwife can practice at birth centers and do home births. 
But we got some awesome black certified nurse midwives that have left those systems. So they've walked away from the hospital systems in Cleveland to create home birthing practices because they recognize, number one, as black women in the system, it wasn't good for them and it was traumatic for them as employees. And then they saw how black women were treated. And so they started home birthing practices. So um, in order to become a certified nurse midwife, you have to become an RN first, and then you go back for your master's degree. So you could do that by doing your RN as your bachelor's degree, and then going back to do your graduate degree in graduate school and getting your master's in it. Um, I went a different route. I, I chose to spend a little bit more money. But originally, I went to undergrad, and uh, my bachelor's is actually in sports medicine, athletic training. Didn't feel it was my calling. Um, I started working at a homeless shelter in Cleveland, and I had the opportunity to work with a nurse practitioner, and I loved how she talked to that population. Um, I loved how she saw people. She didn't just see their circumstance, but she actually saw people and treated people. Um, so I knew I wanted to do nurse practitioner, but then I had the opportunity to watch a delivery with a certified nurse midwife. And that's when I just fell in love with my profession. Yeah. Um, and so I went back and I did what's called a graduate entry program for individuals who have a bachelor's degree already in something else. And I did my RN and my master's at the same time. Um, and so that's how you do the certified nurse midwife. Now, what we are fighting for and having conversations with, with elected officials is how that looks and how to expand the practice of midwifery in order to broaden that access to care. So how do we get certified professional midwives more in this conversation? And how do we bring certified midwives into this conversation? Right now they practice legally in New York, but why are we not opening that up for Ohio as well? If we're really truly talking about access to care, then we need to make sure that black women have access to care. And that means all midwives. Anything I can do? Midwifery? Yeah, midwifery. That was smooth, man. She slid it in. I said, okay, all right. I see. I see. Well, I'll tell you what, anything I can do to help be an advocate, uh, to get in front of any legislators, elected officials, um, sign any petitions. I mean, you know, you can count on me. Um, Thank you. As a representative of Dr. Charles Modlin, um, you know, I am um, um, an employee of Metro Health. Um, I'm, I'm speaking on my own accord. Um, I'm not here representing my, you know, my employer, uh, but I know uh, we've we've been in discussions and talks uh, at Metro Health in terms of collaboration. So I, I know that Metro Health as an organization, I know our new CEO, Dr. Erica Steed, who is, is an RN, uh, by training also. I mean, she's highly supportive uh, of uh, collaborating with you and, and our, you know, our entire Metro Health system. Um, you know, we're, we're eager to, to get that collaboration uh, started and, and, and mature that. So, That's sweet. Um, yeah, we, we thank you for coming on, on to the program, uh, Music and Medicine. Um, by the way, what, what type of music do you like? I never asked you. Oh, so I grew up <laughs> to Grover, Washington. Oh boy. So you could tell I grew up with some old grandparents from down <laughs> south. <laughs> right up your alley, Doc. Yep. So I grew up with Grover Washington, Najee. Um, so I grew up to that jazz. Yep. And at family dinners, I'm forced to still listen to that jazz. They will tell me to cut my music off. But I um my favorite artist, I am a huge, notorious big fan. So I have his artwork everywhere um, in my house. There's several, but 
but I am a huge, huge Notorious Big fan. I hate to admit it. I'm not really that familiar with him. I know of him. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so I, I need to educate myself around that genre of music. But uh, no, I'm, I'm a fan of all different kinds of music. And, and uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I know I was jamming backstage yeah. listening to Miles Davis yeah, and yeah, Stevie yeah, Wonder. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would have loved to see. I wonder if they ever appeared together. If they ever performed together, we need to we need to look that up. You know, mm -hmm. I bet they probably did at some point. Yeah, that would be amazing to see. Yeah. Yep. Because they were they were both big civil rights advocate, you know, advocates. Absolutely, absolutely. still is so. Um, but again, we thank uh, Dana Langford uh, from the Village of Healing for coming on. Uh, we're going to have you back on the on the um, you know platform at some point in the future. We're, we want to um, encourage people to you know visit your organization out in Euclid. We want people to contact you. These expectant mothers and fathers uh, i mean you're providing a remarkable service you're saving lives you're improving lives you. um of, of you know women mothers and then their children so uh, thank you for coming on jerome any last uh closing words remarks thoughts hey this is black history month uh make your ancestors proud mm -hmm. uh, they sacrificed so don't take not one day off utilize all your time this month to do something positive and then spread that to the people around you, okay? Don't let yourself down and don't let nobody else down. Let's get to it. So I'd like to also thank Russell Johnson. He's the production manager behind the scenes. I wanna thank Kayhawk2 uh, Productions uh, for providing an opportunity for us to do this uh, podcast. And uh, thank you the listening audience for tuning in. Uh, we're gonna actually have uh, additional programs uh, uh, this February, 2023 in honor of Black History Month. So. So stay tuned and uh, spread the word. And uh, hopefully, and I'm sure you all have learned something, um, you know, from this episode of Music and Medicine. I certainly have. And, and so with that, we bid you all adieu and uh, have a pleasant and- uh, Can I get a fist up, everybody? Yeah, this album is dedicated to all the teachers that told me I'd never amount to nothing. To all the people that lived above the buildings that I was hustling from that called the police on me when I was just trying to make some money to feed my daughter. Yeah, yeah. And to all my peoples in the struggle, you know what I'm saying? It's all good, baby, baby. Check it, check it. was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Something pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. Hanging pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, rap attack Mr. Magic Molly Mall. I let my tape rock to my tape pop. Smoking the bamboo, sipping on private stock. Way back when I had the red and black lumberjack with the hat to match. Remember rapping Duke? The hard, the hard. You never thought that hip hop would take it this far. Now I'm in the limelight because I rhyme tight. Time to get paid, blow up like the world trade. Born sinner, the opposite of a winner. Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner? Peace to Raw G, Brucey B, Kick Capri. Funk Master Flex, Love Bug, Star Ski. I'm blowing up like you thought I would. Call a crib, same number, same hood. It's all good. Uh, and if you don't know, now you know, you know, you know. I made the change from a common thief to up close.
close and personal with Robin Leach. Yeah. And I'm far from cheap. I smoke smoke with my peeps all day. Spread love, it's the Brooklyn way. The Moet and Alize keep me pissy. Girls used to diss me. Now they write letters cause they miss me. I never thought it could happen, this rapping stuff. I was too used to packing gats and stuff. Now honeys play me close like butter play toast. From the Mississippi down to the East Coast. Condos and Queens for weeks. Sold out seats to hear Biggie Small speak. Living life without fear. Putting five carrots in my baby girl ear. Lunches, brunches, interviews by the fool. Considered a fool cause I dropped out of high school. Stereotypes of a black male misunderstood. And it's still all good. Uh. So, so, and if so. you don't know, now you know, you know, Genesis. When I was dead broke, man, I couldn't picture this. 50-inch screen, money green, leather sofa. Got two rides, a limousine with the chauffeur. Phone bill about 2G's flat. No need to worry, my accountant handles that. And my whole crew is lounging. Celebrating every day, no more public housing. Thinking back on my one-room shack. Now my mom pimps an act with me on the back. And she loves to show me off, of course. Smiles every time my face is up in the source. We used to fuss when the landlord dissed us. No heat. Wonder why Christmas missed us. Birthdays was the worst days. Now we sip champagne when we thirsty. Uh, damn right, I like the life I live. Cause I went from negative to positive, and it's all. And if you don't know, now you know, you know, you know. And if you don't know, now you know, you know, you know. And if you don't know, now you know, you know, you know. Let the beat sound in the house. Julie Bobby, Matt Flavor. I see you, I see you, I see you. Yeah. All right.